0: Hello baseball fans, welcome to Sully Baseball, this is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year, there is no off-season, and I'm your host Paul Francis Sullivan, please call me Sully, I'm recording this at Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California overlooking the historic Rose Bowl on today's date, the 7th day of December 2017. I've uh, not posted a podcast in a little bit, and man... It's sometimes days like this I wondered, how did I used to do it every single day? I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. In fact, I'm doing the opposite. I'm kind of scratching my head. How did I do it every single day? I don't quite 100% know. Maybe that sense of urgency forced me on some days where I didn't quite feel it, or if there were a lot of days where I had uh, Evergreen podcasts in there. But man, I've been uh, it's been a crazy few weeks for your pal Sully. And I've just not got around to doing this. So there have been some people asking me if I've been okay, and the answer to that is I don't know. I don't know, but I'm here recording because, yeah, every once in a while you got to jump back in the river sully. Even I have to jump back in the river sully, and say let's talk a little baseball because there's some strange stuff going on. Uh, over the next few days, I'm going to cover a couple of topics. Uh, that some I'm not going to include today, but I'll include later, uh, including the Hall of Fame and including the situation in Oakland that's getting stranger and stranger. Uh, I'm going to weigh in a little bit on the Otani situation, um, I, I, and I, I'm still not 100% sure how to pronounce his name. It's Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani. I don't know. I don't know. And the fact of the matter is, we will soon find out, because he's either going to become a superstar or a cautionary tale. You know, as it is, the, you know, if you're a baseball prospect, if you're someone who is, someone who is uh, coveted as a prospect in baseball, it's sometimes a real crapshoot. You know, sometimes it's... You know, you get people who are coveted and turned into terrific, wonderful players. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, uh, the Washington Nationals in back-to-back years had Steven Strasburg and Bryce Harper as the number one overall pick, and both of them turned out to be outstanding players. David Price was the number one overall pick, and he's turned into a fine player. Um, obviously, you've had some players who have had. Some great success, Adrian Gonzalez has turned into a fine player, Uh, Alex Rodriguez has turned into a superstar, Uh, Chipper Jones is probably going to be a Hall of Famer, Uh, Ken Griffey Jr. was a Hall of Famer. Sometimes you have players who are very good and had very good careers. You know, the likes of a Harold Baines was the number one overall pick. The likes of a Sean Dunstan was an overall pick. The likes of a, of a B.J. Surhoff. Uh, Pat Burrell had success in winning a couple World Series along the way. Joe Maurer was a superstar. Injuries caught up with him, but he's got to have a fine career when all is said and done. And do you know what? Every once in a while, you get yourself a dud, a Matt Anderson, a Brian Bullington, Luke hoke who wound up winning a World Series title with the Royals, but as a middle reliever after a lot of injuries and probably wasn't worth the number one pick overall. You know? Mark Appel was so heavily coveted. And I think we, you can get him now for a bag of donuts. It's difficult to forecast who's going to be a superstar because there are, baseball is hit or miss. It depends a lot on the quality of the play that you're playing against. And also, it's not an exact science. And certainly hasn't been an exact science for players coming over from Japan. There have been success stories, to be sure. Ichiro Suzuki is going to go to the Hall of Fame. Hideki Matsui had a wonderful career. Hideo Nomo had tremendous success. There have been some that have been... Well, you know, I, mean, I think about some of the, the Japanese players who played for the Red Sox. Daisuke Matsuzaka was not the superstar pitcher that everyone thought he was going to be. And by the end of his contract, it was an absolute money pit. But he had a fine season his second year. He was a Cy Young contender his second year. And he did help the Red Sox win a World Series. Yes, by the end, his contract was an absolute disaster. But I would say that was a hot and cold one. And obviously, Koji Uehara had a tremendous amount of success as a world champion with the Red Sox. And there have been other examples of players who have, you know, who have done well. Then there have been some who have been El Floporeños. Might I bring up Kosuke Fukudome, who everyone you know, was was highly coveted and was going to be the next Cubs superstar, and he turned into an absolute bomb. And then there's some that it's difficult to tell where they are you know, the Ryu and some of the other players who have come over from Asia. It's it's hard to figure out. Yu Darvish and Ho Park had success, had injuries, had some great performances, had some terrible performances. It's sometimes difficult to make these predictions, and yet we go through this. Masahiro Tanaka is one that I would put as a success. I think he's a, he's a fine, fine pitcher, and he has been worth the hype. He has been worth other... He had... A mediocre year this year. He had a terrible first half of the season. He had a good second half of the season and had some success, certainly pitching the Yankees to within one win of going to the World Series. I would claim him as a success. But it's difficult, I think, to truly speculate where someone's going to end up and how they fit. And yet, with that being said, everyone seems to fall, be falling over themselves for Sohei Otani, And the thing that makes this so unusual is the fact that it isn't going to cost billions and billions of dollars to get him. There has to be a certain amount of international player pool money and bonus money and everything, but it's not the situation that was for Matsuzaka or Matsui or for Tanaka. The fact that the San Diego Padres are in the conversation because he wants to come to the United States at an earlier age than a lot of those other players. So he isn't bound by certain rules. I'm not 100% sure how everything works, but a team like the Padres can bid for him and not be out of the running. And the Padres are a team that people are talking as a potential frontrunner for him. Now, I thought everything was leaning for him to go to the Texas Rangers, a team that had what I thought was a kind of a fluke down year. I think they'll be a good team next year. I think injuries caught up with them a little bit. I think they smartly made a, the trade for Udarvish to replenish their farm. I thought it came at the right time and I think that they I think they're going to be fine in 2018. Partly because the American League has so much parity that being an 85-86 win team may punch your ticket to the postseason. I'll get back to that in a second. And I think adding someone who they can put into their rotation and put into the lineup, you can make the case of, hey, if you want to pitch every five days, great. And if you want to hit, you're our DH. That's the thing that makes him so appealing is that as a prospect, he looks like he'll be a solid starter and could hit well enough to play every day. That... The thing that's catching everyone's imagination about him is the fact that he could be that two-way player, the person who could hit and pitch at a high level and consistently. You could make the argument that if, say, a Madison Bumgardner didn't play for the San Francisco Giants, let's say he played for the Texas Rangers, you could make the case that, hey, maybe he should start every five games as a pitcher And the days that he's not pitching, he can be the DH. Remember that uh, Bruce Bochy decided to not use the DH in one of Bumgarner's games because he preferred to have Bumgarner's bat in the lineup. It's a distinct possibility that he could be one of those two-way players. It could have been a possibility for John O'Rood, who was at Washington State University, My alma mater in terms of my master's degree was a highly touted hitting and pitching prospect. The Blue Jays chose to use him only as a hitter. So there's this thought for people saying, hey, he could fill two roles. He could be the DH and be a pitcher. And That's why I thought Texas was a perfect opportunity for him. Especially when you're starting to see things like a larger pitching staff. So when you have a certain amount of flexibility in your roster, and you have players who can play multiple positions, it will allow you to have an eleven or twelve pitching man pitching staff for the regular season. You understand what I'm saying? We're seeing in the postseason that going to relievers and saying, "Hey, we're only going to expect our starters to face the 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 order, you know, uh, twice." And then we're going to go to relievers who, could, you know, who can show a little bit of length. We saw the Astros win a World Series with that mentality. You saw the Indians nearly win a World Series with that mentality in 2016. That having a certain amount of flexibility to your roster, saying this guy can play these two positions, so we don't need to have a backup third baseman and second baseman. This guy can fill in these roles. And this person can fill in these roles. That gives us flexibility with our pitching staff. A player like Otani, could be that person, hey, he's a hitter and a pitcher. Boom, that's another spot in our roster that we don't have to worry about. And if he can hit well enough and pitch well enough, that's like having two players for the price of one. So I thought the Rangers were the perfect fit. But we're starting to hear him exclusively wanting to go to the West Coast. And maybe the idea of being a DH isn't super high on his list. Now, I think he's either going to want... I still think he may wind up in Texas. I think Seattle is an ideal place for him. If for no other reason, that team needs to... They have a sense of urgency. They have to get to the postseason. They have the longest postseason drought, and they're potentially wasting another Hall of Famer in Felix Hernandez. And... It's a big Japanese population in Seattle, and there's a big Japanese history, especially with Ichiro, blah, 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 blah. You know, San Diego, Los Angeles, the Angels, the Giants are all being taught as teams that could possibly land them. The Giants, of course, would be interesting, because then you could possibly have two hitting pitchers in their lineup with uh, Madison Bumgarner and Otani. I don't know where he's going to wind up. Neither do you. I hope he becomes that two-way player. I think that would be fun. Remember fun? I I want to say baseball is getting more and more fun. Their stars are getting more and more fun. We're starting to see it's becoming more and more likable. And a player who could walk the walk as a player, as an everyday hitter, and as a pitcher is something that I think would be a lot of fun for baseball. And your pal Sully is 100% for it. Now, where would I want him to go? I don't know. I don't know where I want him to go. I want him to go where he can do that. Because I want to see that. You know, I think of someone like Rick Ankeel, who made it to the majors as both a pitcher and as a hitter in separate occasions. I keep thinking, what if he did them both at the same time? Why is that such a hard pill to swallow? Why... You know, the greatest what-if, one of the greatest what-ifs in the history of baseball is what if the Yankees turned, you know, kept Babe Ruth pitching every five days and put him in the outfield in the days that he wasn't pitching? Because he was one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball when it was with the Red Sox. What if he broke records as a pitcher and as a hitter? But instead, the Yankees made him an outfielder and said, you're only going to pitch. And he pitched a handful of times with the Yankees. But, you know, he said, no, well, you're only going to swing. And I'm going to go on a limb. I don't think the Yankees regret that decision. I think his time with the Yankees was quasi-successful. And yet there's this other element to it that you kind of look at it man, if only. And it's a little bit like saying, what if the Beatles had kept Pete Best? You know, they did okay. The Yankees did okay with Babe Ruth. But that's still a what if. And so you're seeing something like this. It's an intriguing what if. What if he makes it in the major leagues as both a hitter and as a pitcher and becomes a superstar? And that'd be fun. That'd be super fun. And so I want him to, you know, he's not going to go to the Red Sox. He's not going to go to the Yankees. He's not going to go to the Mets. He's not going to go to the... He's not going to go to the East Coast. There's a possibility he could go to the Cubs. There's a possibility he could go to Texas. It's sounding more and more like he's going to go to the West Coast. If he wants a low-key place where he can play, be on the West Coast, and make an impact, Seattle or San Diego. If he wants to play for a potential winner, go to the Dodgers. I also think the Giants are a distinct possibility, and I think the Giants' bad season last year was somewhat of a fluke. I think if they have a better situation in terms of their injuries and, and the team being put together, I think they have a chance to at least be a wild card team in twenty eighteen. That could be me being, you know, optimistic because I am, you know, the Giants are my favorite National League team. But that's neither here nor there. So I don't know. This could all be a bunch of nothing. Otani could come and flop in both roles. And it could be a cautionary tale and blah, 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 blah. I hope he does come. I hope he is a success. I'm done rooting for failure. This is one of the things that I've discovered that my bucket list for baseball has become a lot different than it was my whole life growing up as a baseball fan and Even through the first Red Sox championship in 2004. What did I want to see? After they won in 2004, I wanted to see them win again. I wanted it to not just be a one-time-in-my-lifetime experience. Well, I've seen the Red Sox win twice. And my favorite team in the National League is the San Francisco Giants. So I wanted to see them win. I've seen them win three times. Oh, okay. Oh, and I got to see the Cubs win. I'd to see the White Sox win. I'd to see the Astros win. You know, I would love to see... You know, there, there are certain teams... It's like I'm, I'm looking out to other teams now. Like, I'd love to see the Indians win. I'd love to see the Mariners win. I'd love to see the Pirates win. I'd love to see the A's win. So I'm like, I'm expending it out. I'd like to see the Nationals win. But now it's, it's almost interesting. I'm almost thinking in terms of the star players more than the franchises. That seems to be something I'm thinking about more. So I'm getting almost more interested in stars coming into baseball, and I hope Otani comes in and becomes a big star. Now, one of the places he could potentially land is Anaheim. He could land with the Angels. Now, there's a problem with him landing with the Angels in terms of him wanting to be an everyday player with the Angels. And that problem is, where would he bat? You know, they have, Justin Upton came back, and I don't blame him. He had a chance to play in Anaheim, a chance to play with Mike Trout, I do not blame him. Don't, you, know, you know, Justin Upton's going to be there. You have Trout, who's the best player in baseball. You know, you have Calhoun, you have Kron, and you have Pujols. So the idea of Otani could look at the Angels and say, hey, I want to hit, and there's no room for me. There's no spot for me to hit. You have three good outfielders, you have a solid first baseman, and then you have Albert Pujols. I'm going to get to him in a minute. There is a problem with the fact that a place which would be an ideal landing spot for him. He wants to be on the West Coast. Anaheim's on the West Coast. He wants to be able to have endorsement deals. The Angels call themselves the Los Angeles Angels, and they have a better TV contract in L.A. than the Dodgers do at this point. You can look it up. They get better coverage. They get better viewership than the Dodgers because of the stupid contract and the Time Warner or Spectrum or whatever the hell it's called controversy regarding the Dodgers the Angels actually have more eyeballs hitting them on television and playing alongside the future Hall of Famer of Mike Trout and doing it where he'd be low key but still get high exposure that's a tremendous combination especially he can pitch good lord do the Angels need help in their pitching staff and it just would make sense And for baseball to put a potential superstar in Anaheim along with everyone else, do you know what? That also makes a lot of sense because it behooves baseball to have the Angels be a good team. It would be better for baseball if the Angels were contender. But if you look up and you take a look at the starting pitching staff, uh, Parker Bridwell... With his 3.64 ERA, that was the lowest ERA of the regular starters in that staff. The starting pitching for the Angels last year was dreadful. And the bullpen wasn't much better. And I've given the Angels a lot of crap. And I'll continue giving them crap. Because they've been blessed by having the best player in baseball... Put in their outfield. And they've been blessed and said, you have the best player in the game. The best. And, you know, write him, he's going to be an MVP at least candidate. And he finished fourth last year, which is by far the worst showing that he ever had in the MVP rates, But only because he missed a significant amount of time for injury. He only played 114 games last year. The first time, you know, I mean, he's regularly playing in 150-some-odd games a year. But he was actually putting together arguably his best season last year. And he wound up leading the league in, on base percentage, slugging percentage, uh, OPS, OPS plus, And he was on pace to, you know, lead in so many different categories. And, you know, he got injured and... Still finished fourth place in the MVP race. He's going to be 26 years old this year. Pace to putting together. I mean, you look at his most similar, uh, uh, most similar players that are compared to him statistically at BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. And who are the people comparing to? Frank Robinson, Ken Griffey Jr., Mickey Mantle, Hank Aaron, Orlando Cepeda, Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. And you have the best player in baseball playing in a mediocre American League. I mean, it is. It is a, a league where if you win in the mid-80s, you don't have to be a 100-win team. If you win in the mid-80s, you could be a wild-card team. You could play in the postseason. That's what the Twins were. And if you look for I mean, the Yankees are going to be a good team. The Red Sox are going to be a good team. The Indians and the Astros will continue to be good teams. But the, the rest of the American League, it's wide open. And I have trashed the Angels on this left and right. And I stand by my trashing of them. Because they've been given this player and they've been squandering him. It is completely on the heels of the uh, front office that they cannot put together a decent pitching staff to put this team into true playoff contention. I know that they went on a nice run towards the end and made a nice run for it and, and put a little scare in the hearts of Minnesota Twin fans. But here's the deal. They finished 80 and 82. They were a losing team. They scored 710 runs. They gave up 709 runs. So, yeah, they're they're about a 500 team, but they finished sub 500. They lost more than they won. And you have a player who is placed there by the gods. And this is a problem for baseball. This is a problem for baseball right now. Because think about these players I'm about to mention right now. Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton, Joey Votto. What do these players all have in common? They've all won the Most Valuable Player Award. That's true. They've all won the MVP. Joey Votto almost won a second this year. They're all elite players. And yet, not one of them has played in their league championship series, let alone a World Series. Now, Bryce Harper has come close, as the Nationals have lost excruciating postseasons in 2012, 2014, 2016, and 2017, of which any, you know, a bloop here or a bloop there, they would have advanced, but they didn't. Joey Votto came close. The 2012 Cincinnati Reds were one swing away from going to the league championship series. But they didn't. Giancarlo Stanton hasn't even played in a postseason. And Mike Trout has played in one. These are four marquee names who forget World Series glory. They've had no glory. zippity doo and so there's part of me is like you have these superstar players and it is on those teams to say you can't put a winning team around them and for the Angels to have, I know they're an Anaheim, but to have the money and to have the exposure and to have the spending and to do all these things in a team and to not put together even... Forget even a championship team, a winning product. They can't put together a winning team with the Angels. Since the arrival of Mike Trout, they've played in they won the division once. Once. This last Angels team, they won eighteen and ten in August to sort of make a quick run out of it towards the end, but they fell apart. And after September, after the final day of uh, uh, of August, they were, they were 11 and 17 in an American League that was bunched together and 500 meant you were contending. They couldn't even raise the level of mediocrity. And if you are Major League Baseball and you say our marquee player is being buried in a franchise, you would come up to them and say, hey. There's a superstar Otani. You find a way to get him. And I'll say it right now. If that's the difference between 80 wins and, I don't know, 84, 85 wins. If that sort of combines, you know, if that could somehow they... they, Get up to a certain level by bringing in Otani, and that might be enough to put him in the postseason. And then Major League Baseball is say great—we now have our best player not playing freaking golf during the postseason. That would behoove baseball to have that happen. If I were the the, the commissioner of baseball, I'd be leaning a little on that scale. But Sally, that shows bias. No, it doesn't. It shows intelligence. You're trying to sell this product. You're trying to sell this game. And you have your best player not involved in your greatest showcase. Think of all the people this year who are watching baseball. Over the last couple of years, where you've had two straight amazing Game 7 showcases. Hell, Three of the last four years, you've had Game 7 showcases. And for a lot of casual baseball fans, they got to see the genius of Madison Bumgarner, this phenomenal play of Chris Bryant, the clutch home runs of Anthony Rizzo, the the great play of of the stars in the Cleveland Indians like Francisco Lindor, and this last postseason where we all got to see Justin Turner's big hits and big home runs and left and right, but they also got to see... Altuve, and they got to see Correa get big home runs, jump up and down and propose to his beautiful girlfriend. Altuve is the one who came up biggest. Oh, my God, that's ironic because he's small. Shut up. We have a superstar now who I bet a lot of people who have not heard of Altuve saw him perform on the highest level and are now like, wow, he was amazing, he was great. We haven't had that with Trout. We haven't had that with Harper or Votto or Stanton. And it would behoove baseball to maybe put the thumb on the scale and say, like, we need these superstars to shine bright in the postseason. That will help the game. And maybe you just say to like, figure out what you got to do. Now, I have... A thought on this. Back when Albert Pujols signed a contract that would last 10 years to play with the Angels, that week, you can look it up, you can go to YouTube, I did a video saying that this was a bad idea for the Angels because there was no way they were going to get superstar production out of Albert Pujols for any length of this contract and they were be stuck paying him superstar prices as his performance is collapsing and i said in that video back in 2011 that this was going to be a great thing to happen for the cardinals for the cardinals letting albert pujols be overpaid by the Angels it would be better off and and I so far have been right they got to game seven the NLCS the first year without Pujols they went to the World Series the next year they went to the post the League Championship Series in 2014 they got back to the playoffs in 2015 okay they missed the postseason the last two years but I think they're going to be in position especially because I think they're probably going to acquire Stanton between you and me and anyone else listening to this But the Angels are stuck with a contract that I said back then, sucked. And it's becoming a disaster. But Sally, Albert Pujols still hit 20-some-odd, how many home runs did he hit last year? He hit uh, 23 home runs and drove in 101 runs. He's still elite. Yes, yes, he's still elite. Congratulations. He batted 241. His OPS is now under seven. Do you understand? His OPS, combining his on base percentage and his slugging percentage, is under seven. When he was with the Cardinals, it was over a thousand. Now it's under seven. His OPS plus is under is eighty one. A hundred is eh, okay. He's now a mediocre player. I I don't put a lot of stock in war because I don't quite understand how it's calculated. So I don't like to point to stats that I don't understand how they're calculated. But for those of you who dig them, his war is currently negative. He played 149 games last year. Yes, he hit 23 home runs. Yes, he drove in 101 runs. But every other stat he has, he doesn't walk. He strikes out too much. His batting average is mediocre. His on-base percentage is atrocious. His slugging percentage, slugging for a 614 home run hitter, his slugging is mediocre. And he has no mobility. He can barely play the field anymore. And this is the sort of thing you look up and said, is this contract the reason why the Angels can't go after Otani? Because there's no room for him at the inn? It drives me crazy because I am, I'm not an Angels fan, but I am a Trout fan. And remember how I said earlier in this podcast that there is an amount of my, my bucket list is more based upon what I want to see accomplished sometimes with other players. I want to see Mike Trout win a championship. When you see players who have been great for stretches of their time finally winning a title, yeah, it's kind of cool. When you see the elite MVP superstars winning in a world championship, yeah, it's kind of cool. Jose Altuve was the MVP of the American League. Now he's a world champion. Yeah, that's kind of cool when that happens. Yeah, it's great when you got to see the Astros win the championship. Full disclosure, I was rooting for the Dodgers. But it's hard. To, I wasn't angry. I was like, God damn, those Astros winning every year. And it was really cool to see two players who have had long, possibly Cooperstown-bound careers finally get their rings with Verlander, with Carlos Beltran. You couldn't be human and not look at those two guys and not feel good for them. They've had these amazing careers. Are they Hall of Famers? Well, that's an interesting debate. It's certainly not outlandish to call both of them Hall of Famers. Being fitted for their World Series rings is really cool. And I want to see more superstars get their rings. And first and foremost is Mike effing Trout. And if you're telling me the reason they can't get Otani is because of the signing of Pujols in this most stunning of ironies, the angels wanted to bring Pujols in because they had a pile of money And they felt like they needed to have a superstar in their Anaheim Stadium. And little did they know that year that Mike Trout was going to become the superstar they wanted. And Pujols was going to become an albatross. Okay. You could also say that maybe the presence of Pujols playing with him those first bunch of years may have been a positive thing. I don't know. Neither do you. But if we could look up and say, what's going to keep the Angels from signing Otani is that it, they have this albatross of Pujols, then I have a solution. Cut him. Cut him. He's a mediocre hitter at this point. Cut him. And, and I'll point to the player that I can, that shows that I'm right. It's Pablo Sandoval. The Red Sox, another contract I screamed they shouldn't sign, signed Sandoval to a gigantic honking contract. And it became a distraction. It became, a, became an albatross for the team. And ultimately, they said, well, we've got this kid, Rafael Devers, who's tearing up the minor leagues. We're going to have to pay Sandoval anyway. The question, well, we don't want to pay Sandoval this money, that's, that's, that's not an issue. The Red Sox are going to have to pay that money anyway. So are you going to pay that money and prevent Rafael Devers from playing? Or are you going to pay that money and have Rafael Devers play? And as it turned out, they said, do you know what? We're going to have to pay it anyway. So why don't we make the team better? Say goodbye, Pablo Sandoval. Bring up Rafael Devers. And look at that. It worked out. Now Sandoval resigns with the Giants. And, you know, it costs the Giants virtually nothing. They got a nice reunion. But in the end, yes, it was a terrible contract because they're going to have to pay the money. But it doesn't mean you need to have that player clogging up your roster. And if I were the Angels and the choice is Albert Pujols or Otani, you can't say, well, Sully, Pujols is going to be paid $27 million in 2018. $28 million in 2019, $29 million in 2020, and $30 million. He's going to be paid $30 million after the 2020 presidential election. Okay? And does anyone think he's suddenly going to improve? He may not even be mobile at that point. And so they're going to have to pay that money. But you don't have to play him. And it may make the Angels better to say, "Do you know what, bye, Albert. They did it with Josh Hamilton. Maybe you can do it with Pujols. I don't know Albert Pujols. He could be an amazing guy. He could be an incredible man. He could be someone you look at and go like, oh, man, having him on the team just makes everyone better. I don't know. Maybe that's the case. But you're trying to improve the team. And right now, by all merits except for home runs and RBI, he doesn't make the team better. You're going to have to pay him that money. But do you want him to clog up the roster? Cutting him is on the table. And imagine the reunion you have in St. Louis. Oh, my God, he comes back to St. Louis. He finishes his career out as a St. Louis Cardinal. Blah, 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 blah. Or maybe he goes to be a DH someplace because there will be no financial risk. It's like the Giants bringing in Sandoval. There's no financial risk of that. The Red Sox have all the risk on that. there would be no financial risk in any team putting in Albert Pujols and putting him at first base or a DH because the Angels are picking up the tab. Now, short of that, because... I think the possibility of him signing with the Giants or him signing with the Mariners or him signing with the Rangers, they may all be ahead of the Angels anyway. Short of cutting, I have this unique solution of what to do with Albert Pujols. And it involves something that would require swallowing the pride of Pujols and also addressing the value of Mike Trout in a way that I think would make some people angry, but by God, listen to me. Okay. And again, please bear with me. This all makes sense in my head. Now, Mike Trout, no matter how you look at Mike Trout and how you look at his stats, whether you want to go deep diving into... Things like situation wins added, base out wins added, base out runs added. A lot of stats I don't quite understand. If you want to use things like adjusted batting runs, adjusted batting wins, you want to do wins above replacement, offensive wins above replacement. Or if you want to do traditional stats like runs scored, on-base percentage, batting average, walks, hits, home runs, whatever statistic metric that you want to use for Mike Trout, whatever is your personal stat of choice, He is elite. He's elite in traditional stats. He's elite in advanced metrics. In all the stats you want. He is elite. So, here's something I want to bring up for Mike Trout. Among the many things that he is finding himself leading the league in is on base percentage. The last two years... He has led the American League in on-base percentage, which means he is getting on base more than anybody in the American League. When he comes up, he gets on. His on-base percentage last year was 442. You know the whole thing of, you know, even the best players fail 7 out of 10 times. Bullshit. He's succeeding nearly 50% of the time. His slugging percentage is through the roof, of course, and he led the league in an OPS in two of the last three years, and an OPS plus uh, all but two years of his career. But think about that. He's getting on base more and better and more efficiently than anybody in the American League. And the higher you bat in the lineup means the more trips to the plate you get. Now, Mike Trout is the best player in the American League, and he plays on a team that's a sub-500 team. So what does that tell you about the rest of the team? Who do you want to get more at bats than Mike Trout? Now, to be sure, he's been batting second with the team. I'll say it, bat him first. Bat him first. If that means getting him an extra at-bat each game, I mean, imagine adding an additional 40 or 50 plate appearances of the year to Mike Trout. Wouldn't that make the team better? Wouldn't that mean he is appearing the most of any batter? Bat him at the top. Bat him at the top. Now, what does that have to do with Pujols? Here's where the pride is being swallowed for Albert Pujols. And maybe this could help the team be better. Bat Albert ninth. If you can't bring in Otani, and you can't find a replacement, and you just can't bring yourself to cutting Albert Pujols, bat him ninth. Now think about what happens there. Mike Trout gets the most plate appearances. Albert Pujols gets the fewest plate appearances. Okay, there you go. That may make a little sense. Now Albert Pujols is approaching a big career milestone, and I want to you know look at. I've been trashing on Albert Pujols a little bit. He's a Hall of Famer. I know that. This is going to be his eighteenth year in the major leagues. He already has six hundred and fourteen home runs. And he has 2,968 hits. If he gets 32 more hits, and notice I said if. If he gets 32 more hits in 2018, he will join the 3,000-hit club and do so as a member of the Anaheim Angels, or whatever the hell they're called now. This is a guy who, over his career, 77 postseason appearances, postseason games, 19 home runs. He's batted three twenty three in the postseason. His career, his career postseason OPS is 1.030. Albert Pujols has had a great career. um, Two-time world champion, three-time MVP. I'm not trashing his career. He's just at the tail end of it. Now, if you could say to him, Albert bat ninth. And his heart sinks. And, oh, my pride is bruised everything and say no 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 stop that yes it looks like a demotion yes you will get the fewest amount of plate appearances of anyone in the angels but also think about what will happen if he bats ninth then who's batting behind him in my lineup that would be trout and you can tell him You drop to the ninth in the order. The only time it really matters is the first time through. And then for the rest of the game, you get to pitch with the pitcher thinking, Jesus, Mike Trout's right after this guy. I can't walk this guy, not that Pujols walks much anymore, but I can't walk this guy because Mike Trout is coming up. So I gotta throw strikes to this guy. Mike Trout could protect Albert Pujols, and that could mean he sees a couple of fat pitches. He sees a couple of. They said, "Do you want maybe I just gotta get him out? Maybe I gotta kind of strike him out, and maybe just maybe he sees a few fat pitches that he wouldn't see if he's batting after Mike Trout." Now, if you're in a situation where, oh man, I got Mike Trout up. I'd rather pitch around this guy and face Pujols. Or would you say, geez, i got to face Albert Pujols, but right after him is Mike Trout. I can't pitch around Albert Pujols. I better throw him strikes. So a player at the end of his career who, you know, I mean, he has 614 home runs and he's going to be on contract for the next four years. I mean, you could say... If he gets 20 home runs a year for the next bunch of years, he could have a shot at 700 home runs, but I don't know if he has that in him. But maybe he does if the pitcher's wetting their pants and saying, huh, we got to throw him a strike. Maybe we got to throw him a strike right down the heart of the plate. Tweet at me. Write me emails. Where am I wrong here? Because right now, with Albert Pujols, I'm talking about putting him on waivers. I'm talking about designating him for assignment. And if no one claims him, giving him his outright release. How is batting him ninth a bigger disgrace than putting the letters D, F, and A next to his name? And wouldn't that give him... That last little burst of glory. Yeah, the point of the being, Trout's got to be second or third in the lineup because the leadoff man gets on and Trout drives him in. That only matters in the first inning. My lineup says Trout gets the most at-bats. Pujols gets the fewest number of at-bats, but sees some fat pitches. Where am I wrong? Where am I wrong? How am I wrong? How am I wrong in this situation? What, what what statement am I making that's incorrect? That that wouldn't make the lineup of the Angels a little better. That, of course, isn't the main issue with the Angels. The main issue with the Angels is they can't freaking pitch. But I'm putting on a proposal. Maybe you have a player who despite his 23 home runs and 101 runs batted in, by all other metrics, hurt the team by being in the lineup? What was the one stat he led the league in last year? Grounding into double plays. He slow, Sully. I don't care. I don't care. If this means seeing a few more fat pitches for Albert to smack out of the ballpark, you're not going to walk him. You're not going to pitch around him because you have the second coming of Mickey Mantle and Frank Robinson and Ken Griffey Jr. batting behind him. So you got to throw him a pitch. Where am I wrong? Tell me via Twitter. Tell me where I'm wrong. Because I believe I'm right. Your pal Sully believes he's right. So I'm going to be doing a couple of the podcasts coming up. I'm going to talk a little bit about the A's ballpark situation. I'm going to talk about my Hall of Fame ballot and the fact that I just want to see, um, I just want to see some of these players who are stuck on the ballot off the ballot, so we can have some real discussions. And my thoughts on the Stanton sweepstakes. Even though I don't think it's much of a sweepstakes anymore, I think it's pretty clear he's going to go to either San Francisco or St. Louis at this point. But hey just want to talk to you all my sully baseball friends i miss talking to you and hopefully you're enjoying having me in your earbuds today so go to sullybaseball.com like me on facebook subscribe on itunes SoundCloud, youtube twitter stitcher instagram I'm everywhere the music is by ted Thacker, and patrick kaliski this has been the sully baseball podcast for the seventh day of december 2017 i'm your host paul francis sullivan please call me sully